welcome back to our study of Hebrews chapter 11 with its over 30 Old Testament characters and how through faith they became heroes in God's eyes and how God's purpose for Hebrews 11 is not to honor dead heroes but to inspire me and you to become living heroes today through faith. And so our study today, whew, better buckle up. You better buckle up because uh, in our small time, we're going to be covering some big topics, uh, big topics such as God's existence, eternity, judgment, heaven, and eternal reward. So if you're not, you know, if you're not going to be tolerating this, it's time to leave because we are going to really go in deep here on some doctrine. So last time, uh, we studied how Hebrews 11 teaches how heroes follow the incomparable, meaning that uh, faith is not just starting with heroic deeds by doing heroic stuff. No, it starts by being in a personal walk with the incomparable God and following his incomparable word. Today, we move from the truth that heroes follow the incomparable to the truth that heroes perceive the invisible. Because faith heroes are not motivated by the material scene, but by invisible spiritual realities such as God, eternity, judgment, heaven, and eternal reward. Now, we're going to read a scripture that's a little longer than usual, uh, so here we go. This is from Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we trust and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, 
Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the Pharaoh's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. If I am going to be a hero in God's eyes, then I need faith. But what is faith? Well, the definition I see in Hebrews 11 is this. Faith is God-given conviction enabling me to walk in complete confidence regarding the unseen spiritual realities revealed in God's word. Through faith, heroes perceive the invisible, starting with the unseen spiritual reality of God's existence. Let's go back to the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11 and these words, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I stand before you, one who is resolutely and absolutely convinced that God exists. And Hebrews 11 states that this is where heroic faith begins. Not only that where it begins, but that this faith in the existence of God begins with my understanding. By faith we understand, where this word understand refers to reason and logic and rationality, which is very important. It is important that you understand that the faith that builds heroes is not a faith based on misty fairy tales or hearsay or nonsense, but it's based on reason, on logic and rationality. Likewise, your personal faith, this is important, your personal faith must be built on understanding and not some flimsy nonsense like God exists is what my parents believed or that God exists is what I was taught ever since I was a little kid. Oh, come on. This is serious stuff, the existence of God. It's much too crucial to your life for you to base on something as flimsy and childish as, oh, it's what I was taught when I was a kid. No, that is not the faith that is gonna propel you into an exciting life in God of trusting him when it really counts and when it's really hard and when you're all alone and you have to decide based on your conviction based on the, the evidence that the existence of God means that you are going to sacrifice for a life of what is worthwhile and not worthless. No, heroic faith starts with this unshakable understanding in God's existence based on a rational, logical 
understanding of what is consistent with what we can observe in the world. In those words, we understand that uh, the universe was formed uh, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible is the writer of Hebrews pointing out that the cause of the visible world is invisible, which, by the way, checks out totally with... uh, all the scientific record and discovery, but that this invisible cause has left his visible fingerprints all over creation. Fingerprints like the very fact that our universe is understandable, logical, and rational, and ordered is uh, evidence that our invisible creator is himself logical and rational fingerprints, like the fact that the invisible creator has made beings in his image who are made up of both visible components and invisible. Uh, God made human beings with a visible component called the body, but God also made us with with invisible components that can be called uh, the soul or the spirit or personality or just consciousness. God made these individual components, uh, and they are are unique parts of us, and they supply rational evidence that the invisible God is like that. In other words, uh, the invisible part of me is my personhood, demonstrating that God is personal. The invisible part of me is my love capacity, indicating that God is love. The invisible part of me is my conscience, showing that God is the perfect moral standard. And that's why I get my idea of what is right and wrong. The invisible part of me craves meaning in life, showing that God is purpose and plan, that he is the very definition of intelligence and significance, personhood, love, conscience, meaning. These invisible components within me uh, are in every way more me than the physical part of me. Uh, The physical part that's, by the way, falling apart and uh, getting old and kind of stumbling toward the grave. Not something I'd put in a birthday card, but it's true. Uh, Since the invisible part of me is more me than the physical, since the invisible part of me is actually growing while the visible part of me is slowly dying, since the invisible part of me lasts for eternity instead of just a maximum hundred years, the invisible part of me is actually more real, more important, more worthy of my life's investment than the physical, the visible part of me. And in the same way, the invisible spiritual realities of God's word are more real, more important, more worthy of my life's investment than the visible world. The invisible you is a kind of proof that the invisible God and his invisible spiritual realities are more real, more important, 
than the visible world. And this conviction is heroic faith. It begins with this complete confidence in the invisible existence of God and then extends to these other unseen spiritual realities, starting with eternity. If you look at all the uh, heroes mentioned in Hebrews 11, the one thing they have in common is that they're all willing to sacrifice temporary earthly pleasures in order to please God for all eternity. Noah uh, dedicated decades to build the ark, to save his children out of a desire to forever please God. And if I am not willing to sacrifice my time, to spend time building into my kids or my grandkids in a way that is saving in their life, rescuing them in this life and the next life, God would say that I am missing my heroic opportunity, not due to my busyness or lack of attention, but due, catch this, to my lack of of faith in seeing the reality of eternity and what is at stake. Uh, Abraham was willing to give up life comforts in hometown Ur to follow God on a difficult journey to a promised land to forever please God and to become a blessing in God's plan that would include blessing people Abraham would never meet like me and like you in Christ. And if I am not willing to extend my prayer beyond me and my concerns, if I'm not willing to extend my prayer effort to bless those I know and bless even those I will never meet, God would say, I'm missing my heroic opportunity due to my lack of faith in seeing eternity and what is at stake. Moses was the adopted son of Pharaoh, and Moses gave up luxuries as the prince of Egypt to forever please God as a shepherd of God's people, leading them out of slavery and into a relationship with God. And if I'm a Christ follower, and I can't seem to get around to serving in the church by helping to lead God's people, whether it's in a small group or fusion students or the kids here on Sunday morning, God would say, I'm missing my heroic opportunity, not due to a lack of energy or time or talent, but lack of faith in seeing the eternal and what's at stake. And if I want to be a hero like these heroes in Hebrews 11, then I must, like them, make my decisions not based just on my lifespan of a maximum 99 years, but instead to make my life decisions by extending my time horizon to include eternity and the reality of judgment. Noah built the ark because he believed what God said about a future judgment that was invisible to Noah, but Noah believed it enough to accept God's means of salvation. Like Noah, God warns you of a future judgment 
that is invisible now. Notice also that in his second letter, uh, the apostle Peter says that Noah was a preacher who tried to reach out to his neighbors to join him in the ark. And like Noah, uh, God warns me of that future judgment and I must both accept God's means of salvation through Jesus, but I also must be one who extends the invitation to my neighbors. And if I'm a Christ follower and uh, I can't get around to extending Jesus to my neighbors, God would say that it's not because I'm too polite, but because I lack the faith to see the reality of judgment. God so loves the world that he gave Jesus and whoever has faith, childlike faith in him, will not perish, but will translate from this life to the next life and be welcomed home by God in heaven. God's heroes hold the conviction that this life is just an appetizer compared to the never-ending banquet of heaven. Abraham was a hero in God's eyes because Abraham did not consider earth his home. This is a life-changing perspective that we're gonna be talking a lot more about uh, this next, uh, next week. Uh, so much of my stress, so much of my worry and anxiety in life comes from the mistake of considering this earth my permanent home when I could start to be a hero if I had the faith that sees the reality that God is my Father and that heaven is my true home where I receive my eternal reward. Hebrews 11 says that Moses became a hero in God's eyes because Moses had his eyes fixed on his eternal reward. Now, for this last invisible uh, reality, I'd like to bring in the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul who says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 9. We make it our goal to please God, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. Paul writes these words to Christ-following people, like me, like you, uh, to emphasize the spiritual reality that one day you will stand before Jesus. In fact, if I were to translate uh, Paul's Greek with appropriate emphasis, the sentence would read this. Every believer... No exceptions, no passes, no options out. Every believer absolutely, definitely must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So if you are a Christ follower, uh, through Paul, God is shouting at you that you will, trust me, you will stand before Jesus. And you will definitely be evaluated by him. Because I have a weak stomach, 
especially for thrill rides, I know something you do not know. On my first trip to Disney World, I uh, got in line for Space Mountain. It's a roller coaster uh, that has a waiting line, and this waiting line is a never-ending zigzag up to the ride, Space Mountain. And uh, all the way on this, uh, this line, you see these signs of uh, kind of medical advisories about who should not go on Space Mountain. The first medical advisory is you cannot go on Space Mountain if you are too short. But then you keep going and you find out that you should not go on Space Mountain if you're pregnant. You should not go on Space Mountain if you have a heart condition, if you have high blood pressure, if you uh, have uh, epilepsy, if, if you have... And then the, as you go on, the, the, the warnings become more and more specific. Like, you should not ride on Space Mountain if you have ever had a Denny's Grand Slam breakfast or a <laughs> breakfast burrito ever. Uh, and the more and more signs I read, the more and more signs I, I was sure they all applied to me. And uh, so I know what you do not know. And that is that you can wait in line for 45 minutes and right before it is your turn to go on Space Mountain, there's a door. There's a door where you can go and you can escape Space Mountain. So if you decide you do not want to die on Space Mountain, you can slip through this little doorway into a very narrow hall uh, that is crowded with very disgruntled short people and uh, heart patients. Uh, but the important thing is that uh, uh, at the last minute, you can escape from Space Mountain. What God says through the Apostle Paul is that if you are a believer, you will enter the next world and you will immediately stand before Jesus with no escape hatch, no side door, no exceptions. But here's the great news, that when you stand before Jesus, you would never want to miss it. You would never want to miss this because it is gonna be the ride of your life. Now, before I tell you more about that, let me answer a question that may be troubling you. Uh, you may be saying, is Jesus gonna judge me for my sin? I mean, I thought that my faith in his death on the cross meant that I wouldn't be judged for my sin. And you are absolutely right. If you receive the gift of God's forgiveness through your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for you, uh, God promises you will never be judged or punished for sin because you're a child of God and heaven is your home. So get this straight. This judgment seat of Christ that Paul writes about is not a judgment for sin. This is a judgment in which Jesus gives out reward to his followers because see, God creates with a purpose. Jesus has a purpose for saving you and he will give reward uh, based on your pleasing him. Uh, which leads one more word uh, to get straight and that is the word bad, as in each one will receive what is due him for things done in the body, whether good or bad. Uh, here's the problem. The problem is that 
one English word can have multiple meanings, and the word bad in English can mean morally evil, bad person, or a bad, evil deed. And there are Greek words like kakos and poreas that mean bad, as in morally sinful. Those Greek words are not used here. Very often in English, we use the word bad, however, uh, to not mean morally wrong, but just no good, or useless, or worthless. It's like we say, I got bad reception on my cell phone. Or we, you may peel a banana and say the banana is bad. And when you look at that banana, you don't say bad banana. That's a morally bad banana. You don't mean that. You mean it's worthless. It's no good. And this is also a Greek word uh, for worthless, and it's phallos. And that is the Greek word that is used here. So if you are a Christ follower, Paul is painting a picture of your first moments in eternity. When you stand before the risen Jesus and he evaluates your life, separating what you did in this life between what was heroic and faith-filled and praiseworthy and what you did that was follows worthless, useless in his eyes. And then with smiles and hugs, Jesus with celebrating laughter will reward you for all you did in life that was worthwhile that you did to please him. What are those rewards? I don't know. All I know is that it will be reward enough to please the one who bears my scars and hugs me home for all eternity. Can you see this unseen day? I hope so. Because to be a hero, you must perceive the invisible. And then you must choose to live each day in the light of these invisible realities. Every day, you must choose between devoting your time to what is faithful and what is follows. Every day, you must choose whether your one and only life will be devoted to what is worthwhile in God's eyes or worthless in God's eyes. So right now, give God God, ask God to give you eyes that can perceive the invisible. Ask God for faith so that you can see him and the realities of eternity and judgment and heaven and eternal reward. For you will, you will stand before Jesus and perhaps you will look back in that moment to this moment, this holy moment when right now you choose to leave behind what is worthless so as a hero in his eyes, you may devote your life, one and only life, to what is worthwhile in his eyes. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, 
and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.